Hey everyone, welcome to Ben Better, How About You? I'm your host, Katie Nara, and I've suffered from depression nearly my entire life. It sucks. This is a podcast that focuses on mental health, broken down in a relatable way, and told through personal experiences. P.S. I'm not a doctor, but each week my guests and I will cover everything from recognizing symptoms of anxiety and depression to providing accessible tips, tools, and resources that support mental wellness. So get your weekly prescription with me. Hey everyone, welcome to part two of Bobby Hundreds. In this episode, we cover how anti can become mainstream, streetwear, and Bobby answers our five questions. Here we go. Question four. Yeah. In your book, you speak about relating immediately to punk culture, particularly straight edge, which actually a few months ago, a friend of mine said how her husband is straight edge, and I had no idea what that was. So I actually knew about that before the book, so I felt very like... In the know. I did not know what straight edge meant. Oh, wow. Is that weird? Your friend's husband is straight edge? Yeah. In the actual punk definition of straight edge? Yes. Or just Oh, cool. Who's who's your friend's husband? We got to hang out. I'm not straight edge anymore, but we probably have a lot of kids. We have the kinship. Um, no, Elgin, I'm not straight edge Elgin anymore. James. Oh, Elgin. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. Elgin, FSU. Okay, yeah, so I, I had Elgin. no idea. He was yeah. my, I didn't know what Elgin's that, real. I yeah, didn't yeah. know what that yeah. meant. Yeah. Uh, so Elgin and I are from the same scene. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah. so I was saying that, um, even saying that, or talking about straight that you said that this blew your nipples off. That yes. was a great visual. Yes. So, um, <laughs> and for those listeners that aren't familiar with straight edge, can you give us a quick <laughs> synopsis? Yeah. Just because the reasoning, I think, I think most people don't know, but yeah, I think it would actually help explain a lot of why I am the way I am and why I built a brand the way I built the brand. Straight Edge was a movement. It still continues to be really large. It's still a a movement in the punk community propagated by Ian Mackay. He was a singer of a band called Minor Threat. And what was happening within the punk community at the time, and this was like late 70s into the early 80s, was that there was a lot of heavy drug use, you know, a lot of addiction, a lot of substance abuse going on. And so it was almost a way of being punk against punk. And so a lot of what happens within subculture is that people are being anti and then the anti becomes mainstream or the predominant, the prevalent norm. And so then there becomes like a subculture that grows within it to be anti to the anti. And that's what happened with Straight Edge was that punk was not mainstream, but then there was faction of these punk rockers who were like we want to be different from what they're doing and we don't see the benefits of hurting yourself or poisoning yourself with drugs or with alcohol so we're gonna um basically become straight edge there was a song called straight edge uh by ian mckay where he talks about i don't drink i don't smoke i don't fuck uh, abs- sexual abstinence was also a part of the original ideal of what straight edge was and then these kids glommed onto it like a religion and um, today you would say that they were radicalized as straight edge, but that's what kids, you know, within my hardcore punk community, we were of the straight edge kind. And then there's within straight edge, there were militant factions of those as well that went down into hardcore veganism. I was vegan in the 90s. And then those broke down into like Animal Liberation Front and like full on FBI terrorist hit list. Kids that would like burn down animal laboratories. That's crazy because yeah. I even learned that from your book. I didn't know that that's that 
that that also meant like veganism, you know, because Elgin's yeah. still a hard, yeah. hard for vegan. That's where it so. comes from, yeah. And then a lot of the vegan kids to kind of complement their lifestyle went full on Hare Krishna. So then there was a bunch wow. of these punk bands, like there's a band called Shelter that were Krishna bands. And so there were periods in my life where I was exploring Krishna and, you know, wow. sitting in Hare Krishna temples and eating vegan food. And, and so that's also why I can empathize with a lot of how people are getting so rapidly radicalized these days through the internet. Mm-hmm. For me, in those periods of form- in those formative years of my life, like when you're a young teenager and you're really seeking identity and you're trying to find your place in the community, it's really, really easy to fall just into tribalism. Like all the friend, all my friends are doing this and then these are the ideals and it's a religion. I need something to belong to. I need something to believe in. And so like, this is going to be my truth and I'm going to fight so hard for this truth because now I don't know how to divorce it from what I stand for as a human. Like this is everything I am as a person. And for you to, to negate it is to negate me. And so that's what you're seeing out it just in the political and social landscape is a lot of people being radicalized right now. And I think it's because there's just a loss of religion, um, like lack of faith in leadership, right? Uh, everyone realizing, you know, even though we've always known government, politicians are corrupt, like now we're really seeing how the sausage, sausage is, is getting made and it's scary. At yeah. the same time that there's like a lot of natural disasters going on and climate change and then a virus and so there's so much disorder that people are like i need something to hold on to to tell me why this is happening yeah and so they are glomming on to different belief systems or philosophies or tenets or demagogues because it helps them to better make sense of what's going on in the world especially conspiracies and conspiracy theories because it's much easier to believe in a conspiracy theory than to just accept that life is chaos absolutely and life is always chaos it's just that it's clearly delineated for us now where it's presented to us every day like these things have always been out of order yeah but we're all seeing it now for the same at the same time together and it's scary and so it's like i don't want to accept that i'd rather believe that some there's a puppeteer at the top who's orchestrating it or i'd rather blame it on this person or these groups of people yeah I went through minor versions of that as a teenager just exploring different subcultures because I really wanted to find, make reality of my life, which was very much in disorder, you know? And it's... You wanted to... Yeah. So, like, people want a community. You wanted to... And then you want to... Exactly. Yeah. Which is probably the biggest reason why a lot of this stuff is happening and the biggest reason why I was drawn to subcultures was I was a square peg. And right. I wanted to fit in somewhere, and I found with found other square pegs. And so, having said all that about straight edge, that's a lot of that is what fueled the ideology around the brand was that we were square pegs, and we didn't fit in within our community, within the industry. No, what they didn't look like us, they didn't dress like us, and so we just gathered all the other square pegs, and we're like, we're your community, and you're my community now. And, like, we're going to rely on each other. And so, in a lot of ways, like, we're also a cult, I guess, you know, yeah. in, like, in the very loose sense of the word. Um, but everything that I learned and I loved and, and and motivated me about growing up in the straight-edge hardcore scene 
is like very much inspired. Uh, what I do now is very much inspired by that. There's just so many parallels of of that. So it's I like that you asked that question because it's such a strong part of my identity. I don't practice straight edge um, anymore, as far as like not drinking, not smoking, stuff Sounds like that. Sounds like a very strict existence. It is. Yeah. And I, for me, it was um, again about control. Because I had very little control over what was going on in my life at the time, in my teenage years. And I felt like everything was so out of order that I was like, if I can, it's like ascetism, right? It's like denial of if I can strictly limit myself from doing these things, then I can stop that, those levels of chaos from entering my life. And so like I took real pride and value and I felt stronger in you know, sitting down in a restaurant being like, I'm not going to eat that because I don't eat animal products. Like, I don't wear leather. I don't drink. You know, I go to a party and drink. I'm like, no, I'm a stronger person because I don't drink. Right. Which, it, it, there's, you know, sure, like, you can argue different points of that. But for me, what it was was I just needed to be able to control. And I felt so much stronger about, more confident about who I was and what my universe looked like when I was able to, like, cut things off. The great thing about straight edge is that it helped me become so disciplined that I can kind of stop anything cold turkey at any moment. I'm sure. So, like, well, yeah. And it, that's why sometimes people that are, not that this was is you, I'm actually talking about myself, but sometimes, you know, kids that do really bad in school or they just can't sit down and refocus, they do really well in the military. Yeah. Like I always kind of wanted to yeah. join the army. Yeah. It's just because you're, you know, they actually... Or if you're an Aquarius, like you, you actually crave structure. Yeah. You want to be told what to do. I'm not an Aquarius, but it's exactly what it was. I didn't have structure otherwise, right. so I created my own structure. Yeah. And it helped me in the long run because I built a career off of like building my own structures. But everything has to be my rules. Like this yes. is the universe I created. You get to do this when you build well, a brand. You're, and you're even saying I'm straight edge. It's... It's because you want to be straight edge. Yeah. You're building your own role. Yes. I mean, one of the reasons that I, I brought that up is because it was the quote that you had in the book where... Um, the blow my nipples off part. Not just that. Okay. But the, yeah. I think it was this, maybe the second part where it talked about how the only thing you want to fuck with is your mind. Like how... Yeah. how And I think even thinking of someone like Elgin or straight edge that people that are always in their heads and it goes back to mental health or that you overthink things and like you're always kind of in a mind fuck. Yes. Do you think that's true? Oh, yeah. Okay. I mean, do I overthink everything? Yes. No, no. I yeah. That's what I kind of remember doing. And so my question is, what do you think is the best way to get out of your mind or not like fuck yourself? Oh, my, okay. Well, or, I... Know, besides writing or besides... Yeah. But I, I feel like it's interesting for people to hear about I'm straight an, edge and how that yeah, relates I am an, to... I overthink and I overanalyze everything to a worrisome degree to exhausting <laughs> points where everyone knows I'm like this too and they're like, oh my God, this is Bobby going over and over <laughs> to something again. I don't... I'm hardwired like that. I wish I wasn't, you know, that's, I'm, I don't sleep much because I'm up all night, like constantly thinking and working on stuff and like overthinking things and everything needs to be perfect. And again, these are all again, just like, because I don't want to relinquish what control. Are you? I'm an Aries. Okay. I'm an Aquarius rising. No wonder. Yes. yes. Yeah. The triple Aquarian. So. Oh yeah. Yes. But we, we, but that's on, we kind okay, of get on good. well with every sign, but Aries, yeah, yeah it's like a good, Aries. you don't want to be down. You want to yes. be down. 
And I'm an Aries, like an Aries, a ram. If you ever, like rams, all they do is they, they just run into the, the side of the mountain thinking that, like, they just they go crazy. Yeah. yeah. It's not like Ben, my partner, he's a Taurus, and he looks like a Taurus. Oh, he's a so bull. Stubborn. He's so stubborn, but, like, so he stubborn. actually just pile drives his way through, and he actually right. gets through things because he's a bull. As an Aries, as a ram. Yes. But rams are just like, we go nowhere. We're just, like, running... <laughs> Our heads into the wall our entire lives, that's me, you know? And sometimes I get lucky and I hit. Right. But I just, but this is like the madness that is my life every day. It it perfectly summarizes my existence. But um, I don't know. Was that, what was the question? Was it about? No, like if to get out of your head or if you get in a spin of something or you're like, more of like people that are suffer from OCD, like how do you, what is the best way or is there something you do besides, let's say, writing, which you mentioned earlier? Yeah. Is there something else you've learned, whether it's through your work, therapy, like if you're overly obsessing about something, what do you think is the best tool or maybe you don't know any, I don't know, to let it go? It's a mental switch of, again, just knowing that it's out of my control and it was never in my control right. and just letting go and letting it be. Right. And... Also, just not taking myself so seriously yeah, and knowing that I'm not the best, I'm not going to save the world, and I'm not going to change everything with this piece of art that I make and knowing my place. And so much of that to me and so much the things that I wrestle with the most in my life is like I have a gigantic ego and I think so highly of my importance and what I'm doing here. And I realize that the more I check my ego or the more I set it aside and I realize that it's not about me and my reputation and like my profile and it's really just more about the work and it's about just putting good work out there and removing, you know, extracting myself from the equation. It just does, everything does better. But the more that I keep investing like my personal pride and I, I wrap that all up into what I'm doing and like how people think of me and like how great I am. It confuses everything and makes like, there's so much pressure on everything to be perfect. And I'm like, what will, it's just like, I'm just afraid of like what people will think of me all the time, you know? Right. And so it's that it's, I, I just have to let that go. not surprising. Why? Well, because you're very successful and I think probably many people listening or, or not listening, um, would, <laughs> I would, I mean, I think, I, I think most people think many people that have done very well in life, like aren't thinking or worrying about what everyone's thinking about them. I think there's, I think we think about it more than ever because yeah. there's so much more to lose and there's so many more eyeballs on us. And uh, again, we just have this really inflated and distorted sense of who we are as people and our egos because so much attention has been showered on us over the years. Yeah. So there's like a distortion of like how important we really are. Yeah. And especially if we're not surrounded by a good system of people who know how to check us. Thankfully, the one great thing about my community is I'm surrounded by no people. I'm not surrounded by yes people. Everything, like, everyone here is just like, you're whack. No, that sucks. My partner, Ben, especially, he's like, I talk about in the book, but he comes over and I'm, like, working on something for a week and he's just like, it's fucking horrible. Start over. You're not that tight. And especially my wife and my kids who think I'm, like, the uncoolest people, you know? Like, my favorite thing to do in the pandemic is when my kids are on their classroom Zooms, I like walking and I'm like, what's up, gang, 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 gang. And then... He's just like, oh, my God. And they're like, hey, Mr. Kim. And I'm just like, what's good? Let's get it. And then 
my kids are just like, oh, you're like the most embarrassing person. And I'm, I'm like, embarrassed right now. Right? And I'm yeah. like, you're right, because I am an embarrassing person, because right. I'm just a dad. You know, and everyone's, you know, my, I tell that story, and then my customers or fans are just like, but you're like a cool dad. And I'm like, I'm not really. Like, I'm pretty not cool at all. Like, I got lucky. I make art. You know, that's about it. I put, I make t-shirts and stuff. Right. It's not that, like, again, you can do this too. We can all do this. It's good that yeah. you've hired people that say no. Yeah. Like, that's bad. Because that's something that my father always once said, like, he had some of the work with him for a little bit. And he, like, said yes. He thought it was so great. And he, he's like, I fired him. I have you don't want to be surrounded by people that are like, that's a great idea. Psycho fancy, great. yeah. Yeah, like, whatever you do. I don't have that and when i am on the Many same with your do, dad and you can see yeah. when they're and not just brands whether you're an artist actors you can see when their art kind of starts to like fall yes off. yeah yeah oh i don't have that here and i we don't we try not to hire fans yeah because um i'm not here to appease you like i i need you to challenge me to right. be better and if it's just always like everything you're doing is great, then I'm like, I get really bored, right? right? My unhappiest times in the breadth of this brand were the years where we were just really crushing it. We were really? so popular. I hated it because it was almost like the vehicle was on cruise control, it was on autopilot, and nobody needed me at the rudder. It was just running itself. And so I'm I was... I'm my head like I know what a rudder is. I'm like... Well, like... Or like at the, or at the wheel. Like the there, there's no one steering. I did, they didn't need me to steer the ship. Okay. They just needed the ship. They were like, the ship is fine. They're like, Bobby, why don't you just take a rest? Like, we're good. And then I was like, oh, right. We're just coasting. But then I'm like, I don't have any purpose or reason to be here. Right. And I'm not growing as a person. Like, this isn't fun for anybody, but we're making a lot of money and we're really popular, but where's my place in all this? And it wasn't until, it's not until the years where things start slowing down again, they're like, hey, we need you back up at the wheel again. I'm like, cool, really? like, here I go. And this is where I put in the work, and I know there's not a lot of spotlight on me at this time, but I'm like, wow, like, this is where I really enjoy and thrive and work. And right. so I don't, I'm not, I don't need, I don't like the, Oh, everything's great, and you know we don't really need you. I'm like, I want you to like, I I need to be in here and working, get my hands dirty. Like this is the this is why I do it. It's for I do for the work. Like I don't do it for the award at the end. I don't. Even, there's no award. There's no award in streetwear. Turns out, <laughs> I've, seventeen Oscar years in. Out. Yeah. <laughs> there's no there's no Oscars for us. Uh, I don't get a gold watch. Nothing at the end of this all. But um, I do I do it because I just I like that it's hard. It's hard to do this for 17 years where you get uncooler every day and the coolest brand is another 16-year-old kid who started it out of his garage in a rapper ward and, like, that's the coolest brand today. And the further you get along in this game, you just get uncool. It's like it's like a riptide just pulling you out to sea and there's nothing you can do. So it's hard. You have to try so much harder every year. It's unlike many other kinds of work where things get easier or the success comes it's more facilitated it's not it's like it's just more hardships um it's grueling 
but um, you got to be a sadist to, to do this kind of work. To do this kind of work. Yeah, seeking the validation of teenagers for <clears throat> your entire life. Like, imagine if you never left high school and all of your sense of self-worth. Like this? this is in the sense of, like, I'm constantly trying to impress 12-year-old kids and, like, 15-year-old, like, asshole kids in high school and like trying to be cool to them all the time like how we all felt in middle school and high school and it sucked like am I wearing the right Stussy shirt or am I my Birkenstocks cool like I've done that now for my entire life I'm 40 years old I'm still just like I'm cool right to the 17 year old kid and they're like you fucking suck you're a nerd and I'm like oh shit and like I'm never gonna be good enough for this teenager so that's what I get to do for a job every day. I feel like day. I should get half your shrink's paycheck. <laughs> I think you should. I was just that thinking, was I was like just like, this is, this is good. Feeling. Yes. Okay. So I really but don't should. you, but also you said how the, that there was someone who was, who tweeted you like you suck. Yeah. Right. And you're like, and then you, but, and then uh, he was mad day. at everyone. What? I was going to say every day, all day. Well, no, no, that he was, is that true? Yeah, of course it's true. I work in streetwear and I do suck. Oh, well, that's, that sounds like a lot. I've been on a lot of pills more than I already am if that was my life. But, but you said that how it, it does suck. It's like such the word of the day that when a brand like becomes, and I, I felt this way with Supreme, like I always loved Supreme. Of course, yeah. And I thought I was so, and then when everyone started loving yes. Supreme and then they did the Louis Vuitton and I was so angry, but I also still, mm-hmm. even after it was canceled in America, went on Grailed and bought so much Supreme Louis Vuitton. Like I yeah. had, like I had no control over it, Yeah. but I was still angry that it became mainstream. Yeah. So how, how are you? Like, how do you deal with that where yeah. it is mainstream? It is. You wanted, it is. You know, and I thought it was interesting when you talked to that kid about, I don't know. I don't I, remember what I said to that kid. But I really related but, to that where I was like, that was so me, that kid where I'm like, I'm so mad now everyone knows this because yeah. I knew it like two years ago. Yeah. But yeah. I'm still going to buy it. Yeah. It's like so sad. Yes, yes it is. <laughs> It's, you know, it's like your favorite. For me, the equivalent of that are the bands I grew up on, right? I was, like, I saw so many bands before they blew up, and it was just like, that and was my like favorite band. Like, I'm like, my that's band. me, and now yeah. I have to share it. But then you also want the success for them. Like, that was the whole point of supporting no, them. Is that you, right? Supreme had enough money. <laughs> yeah. They, they do, yeah. and they did, they and they did. Money. But, anyway, but well, see, like, band, yeah. So. No, I mean, I. That was something, that's still something that we have to navigate all the time because there is always another eighth grader who finds out about us today that by the time they graduate high school is going to feel like we've sold out. So that cycle continues to repeat. Right, and because you just accept in, it. And you just accept it because it's like, it's this transition of going from fighting like you're the underdog to understanding that you are now the champion. Right. So it's like you can be both like Rocky was the underdog and the champion. And then he became the underdog and he becomes champion. You know, I talk about in the book, but it's like the Dark Knight Rises. Like you go, you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. And then you can actually become the hero again. And it just toggles like this is like this is how it goes in this weird game. 
Um, but we're the same. We're like the biggest brand at points where we're the coolest. I mean, there were years where we had longer lines than Supreme and more people were excited about the hundreds than they were about Supreme and Supreme was bigger in Japan than we were bigger here. And then it flip flops, you know, and then it goes back and forth and then we're constantly resisting against another young generation brands. And then now we are a the hundreds is now a heritage brand in streetwear. You know, only 17 years, 18 years in, people that are like, oh. doesn't make you feel like you can just, like, get in the rocking chair and, like, kick your... I wish. I do have a, an, Eames, cool. an Eames rocking chair over there. But, I mean, it does, but I can't rest. That's kind of the cool part is that uh, these kids are always nipping at our toes and they're always, like, you know, pushing you over the edge of being antiquated. At any moment, you can be outdated. Like, really, overnight, you can just cease to exist. Um, before we get to the BBHBU five questions, my last question is, which we've sort of covered this, but it's basically, if you can give someone one piece of advice for their mental wellness, what would it be? I know that's a kind of a hard, like, cause if, I know you, it's like hard maybe to simplify it. It is, and there's many things, and everyone's mental health issues require different remedies. I think what can be really helpful is to have something to look forward to, designate uh, points of hope, whether it's like, I'm going out with my friends this weekend, I'm looking forward to that, Mm -hmm. or I have this really, um, I'm going to watch a movie next week, or whatever, just things that you can set in place to get you to the next lily pad. Like my new TV shows premiering next week. Because, yeah, I think that's really hard, too, with, yeah. with, like, so many people had nothing to look forward to. I know. I mean, now it's a little... I know. With the rules, like... It's still hard. Things, yeah. But I think that's really hard for people that suffer. Because it's, it's like, oh, I'm looking forward to my next Zoom, like... Yeah, exactly. My wife... <laughs> My wife was telling me, she was like, that's, you know, we, we'd had this pop-up shop in Joshua Tree over the weekend. And this weekend we have this series, we're doing this thing called drive Through Theater where we're doing yes. these, uh, it's under our family style umbrella, which is our food festival. And we're taking over, we're setting up a drive-in in Chinatown. We're delivering food to people's car and making all this cool and merchandise. And it sold out in eight minutes. But she's like, it's nice that you guys are doing these things because it's giving people something to look forward yeah. to. We had hundreds of people drive out to Joshua Tree, which is like, for people who don't know, it's like two hours, two and a half hours out of the city to like camp out in the desert to like then line up to buy something right. that they really could have just bought online. It's not like it was even limited to I this pop-up shop. I with me. I would have told them not to go. Exactly. You would have been like, let me save you all the, the havoc, the gas mileage, and the scorpion stings if you just I'm buy this online. I'm double, but I'm up above Exactly. Yes. <laughs> But they they needed like we all did. We just needed something to look for. I was really excited about that, and, and I'm, I was still. It was awesome. And then we have something else this weekend. And yeah, like, for our company, we have drops every Thursday for the most part. There's another drop, right. like this drop this week. We're doing a project with Michelle Obama's one we all vote, and then we're doing a project with this death metal artist Mark Riddick. But we do these things also to give you something to look forward to. So you're like, oh, what is the next one? What's yeah. the next one? What's I need to get, to have the next one? And it's really just like putting these markers in your life of there's like little glimmers of hope that like life is continuing. Because yes, the first month of COVID was really scary because everything really had a pause and we couldn't set up any of the markers. And it was just like, are we stagnant? The moments of my life that I suffer the most severe depression are when there's no momentum. Right. Right? Like, no momentum in my personal life, no momentum in career, 
that's where I have really, really profound unhappiness. You like your foot on the gas pedal. I just need something to work towards, and I need to feel like there's inertia. And when I have a day or days that go by where I'm like just treading water, I'm, it's the worst. Like I get really dark. And so these things are in place in order for me to feel like I'm headed in a direction or that life is actually moving like there's a current. And a so purpose. a purpose. Yeah. Some of these we cover, but these are the five questions we ask everyone. Ask away. Are you nervous? I'm well That's God, now I am. I wasn't until now, but now I'm right, well this the first one I feel like we did cover. What do you do for a mental break? What do I do for a mental break? I surf. I surf most every morning. At least four yeah. I surf I know. Did I how did I how did I get <laughs> How did I get this far without not mentioning I'm a surfer? Know, but I, I, I literally now my opinion of you is like mm. I know it's horrible. I really don't. I try not to claim it too much. Um, so you're a surfer. Oh, I surf. So I surf a few mornings of the week, and it's the only time I can really shut off. Right. No one asks anything of me. No one needs anything from me because most it's like surfing and washing the dishes are my two favorite things to do. And washing the dishes because is, when I. I is that true? I want to ask your wife. Ask my wife. And she will say, Bobby loves washing dishes. And I'll tell you why. When I wash the dishes, nobody bothers me for anything. Because okay. they are like, kids are like, daddy's busy. He's washing the dishes. He's okay. actually contributing to this household for the first time in his life. And then my wife is also just like, uh, she can't nag or bother me by anything. Because I'm like, look, I'm, I'm washing dishes. And so I can sit there. And I'm not on my phone, and no one's, everyone's just like, he's busy. He's contributing to society. Let him do his thing. This is a wonderful, blissful moment. And so, like, I have this, like, 15, 20 minutes of my day every day where I can just think about nothing at all. And Jerry Seinfeld had this old joke about, he's like, women are always, like, wondering, what are you thinking? What are you thinking? What are you thinking? He's like, you want to know what we're thinking about? Nothing. We're thinking yeah. about nothing at all. Like that's that's not me because I'm always overthinking. But in that moment when I'm washing dishes, I'm really thinking about nothing. I'm in the zone. It's the same when I'm surfing. Same really? feeling. Yeah, just in the zone, like thinking about nothing at all, just completely dead. Okay. Yeah. Number two. When is the last time you cried? So the last time I cried was eight years ago. Because I am i don't know how to cry, and I, I really envy the people who do know how to cry. But I also shouldn't say that. A lot of people Why say... I, I honestly was taught to not cry because by my dad. Really? Yeah, you know, yeah. Even I, as a really young child, like, she would say, stop crying? Or my dad? Yeah. Yeah, she, my dad would just say, like, well, you know, you have to be tough. Be a man. Like, are you crying? Is like, stop like crying. I think it's it's a big part of the Korean experience. Really? It's a very uh, male-dominant, patriarchal society, really chauvinist society. And so to express, I mean, they just went through so much. I mean, up until I was growing up, basically Korea was essentially a third world country. They were ravaged by war poverty my dad just grew up in like insane conditions there's a book called pachinko so uh, really it's a world best-selling book but kind of 
details this Korean experience of what it was like, what life was like in those generations. And they just like really went through a lot of hell. And so to survive just as a survival mechanism, like you couldn't show vulnerability or like you couldn't cry. Like there was no moments to cry. Like my dad lost his mom like really early. Like his grandfather was an orphan when he was like seven years old and literally like traveled through Japan like barefoot and like ate out of the garbage just to exist. And so like you have generations of people who go through this and like extreme weather climates and all this like poverty and war. And then, you know, then they immigrate to this country and I'm like watching Saturday morning cartoons, eating fruity pebbles and crying. He's just like, shut the fuck up. Like, let's get it going, you know, get to work and mow the lawn. So no crying. Uh, The last time I cried was eight years ago when my second son was born and the first, the, the time before that was 11 years ago when my first son was born. And before that, I don't even know when. I think it was when I was a kid. All right. Yeah. Um, number three, what are you currently reading? Um, or do you just not read books? You just write them? No, I read. I have a book club called Death Sentences uh, every, yeah. every month. It's called Death Sentences Reading Club. It's called Death Sentences. I'm not pro-death penalty at all. I forgot what book did I... Oh, Okay, so it was, okay, so this month's book is Hector Tobar's The Last Great Road Bum. Um, okay. Tobar is, um, he's a professor here in Southern California, but he's one of my favorite contemporary writers. He, he wrote the book on the Chilean miners called Deep Down Dark, which is probably like one of my favorite books of like the last 10 years or so. But this is a book where he, he basically came across this guy, he's like a real person who traveled the world and he kind of had this like Kerouac idea of what his life was going to be and he thought he was going to be a great writer and so he wrote all this stuff about traveling the world and all the people he met and the adventures he went on but he was actually like not a good writer yeah. and then he died and he disappeared and Tobar like this is so found, sad. I know, but Tobar found his writings and was just like, you're not a great writer, but you really live some adventures, so I'm going to dress this up. And so he works on it almost like posthumously, collaboratively with this art, with this other author. And it's just like a, there's like a lot of dialogue between him and like the dead guy, like that they go back and forth. And then he tells his story. It's beautiful. Really, wow. that's a great book. So that's okay. the last book I read. Yeah. Number four, what is the best and worst advice you've been given? So two parts. Right. A lot of the best, a lot of the worst advice I've been given have, I've used to be the best advice, right? Like, so worst advice and best advice I was given a lot in starting this brand was stop doing it and get out or it's not going to work. Or, you know, when I was growing up and my teachers, my parents and everyone around me was like, you'll never be an artist. You're never going to make, you'll never have a career in the creative field you know, this is not, the creative path is not going to be lucrative for you. Like all the things of like, you shouldn't do this. You can't do that. Um, when we were starting the company, there was some competitors and they weren't even competitors cause we weren't a brand yet, but people in the industry who were like, get out, what are you guys doing? Like no one's heard of you, like calling up stores and they'd laugh and be like, why would anyone buy? No one's heard of your brand. And then like seven years later, like that the brand goes out of business. Stores would tell us that all the time. Wow. And so, that type of advice of like get out while you still can because um i talk about in the book but ben and i we met in law school so we're lawyers like we have um jds so funny that wait so you it's so funny to me that you like went to law school yeah we i would then realize like you're probably really smart i i can be smart in capacities like 
I'm a terrible test taker, but if you How want me you to... How did you go to law school and be a terrible test taker? I, did, I don't know. I, on, I was like a horrible test... Anything that requires writing, I will write circles around you. I'll be the best in the class yeah. if I can write. Because I can just bullshit my way through anything, which right. is really like much of like what I've been able to do is just like completely bullshit my way through. And so that's what a lot of law school is. It's like you can kind of bullshit your way through a lot of that stuff. And so I did. But I met my partner, Ben, there, and that's when we started the brand. But, you know, people knew, like, when we were entering the industry, they're like, you guys are, you went to law school. Like, get out while you still can. And I was just like, I'm going to prove you wrong. It's like that Last Dance Michael Jordan documentary where the entire documentary is really just like, and then someone stepped on Michael Jordan's shoe, and he's just like, I'm going to dismantle this man's career. And then he, like you know, scored like 90 points in the next game. It's like everything was always about retribution and like proving people wrong. It's just like, and then Michael Jordan like won like 400 games in a row because someone cut him off in traffic. Like that's me. Yeah. On a minor streetwear level. I would love to, but I'm just using him as kind of like this idea in the sky. But like that was me. That's still me my whole life. If anyone says, you know, walks in here and says, you know, you and me have... You'd, you would never be able to start a pencil factory. I'd be like, what? Okay. And then I'll spend the next 10 years building like a pencil factory. factory. Now I don't. Oh. But now I think about it, someone should do it. So now you're building a pencil. Okay. Yeah. I mean, Dixon Ticonderoga has owned the market for too long. I think it's a think big it's white your, space. It's the hundredth time. It's ready for that unicorn pencil brand to come in and disrupt. <laughs> um, okay. And lastly, question number five. What Instagram account do you find uplifting? I, God, that's a really interesting question. Like, who has... Because sometimes we all, I think for, especially mental health, like, there's so many accounts, even I found, I'm like, why am I looking at this? Yeah, like, why? Why all these people? I need to, like, mute all these people. This is not making me feel good about myself. Yeah. And so I like to ask you, like, what account do you follow that when you look at it... You're laughing or, I don't know, but it's, it's uplifting your day. Like, yeah, that's what's way. bringing you joy. Are yeah. you on Twitter? I am, but I, like, I, I never tweet. Yeah. I probably should, but I, it's like I'm saying, like, I. You are I, a taker in that sense. That's where you're not being a giver at all. Really? Yeah. I, I like mean, to you're speak just, to people in person, though. No, I'm just kidding. The reason why I asked that is someone said just really simple the, simply the other day on Twitter, you know, does, do is anyone that you're following and bringing you joy, right? Yeah. Like, follow on Marie Kondo. And I was like, uh, why am I looking at this all day? Yeah. This is just terrorizing yeah. me constantly. Yeah. And I took it off my phone and I've just been like... You took Twitter off your phone. Yeah. And yeah. I'm just like entirely a better person for it. Yeah. Sometimes then, I find when I don't, if I'm like, I need a break from Instagram for a few days and I'm like, oh, I feel that. You know, it's like... There's, you can get, you have to be conscientious, I guess, about what you're looking or how much time you're spending, I think, on all, all forms. Of I have a terribly addictive personality, and so I can't draw the line, and so okay. I just need to remove it. From your phone. From my phone. A, yeah, if I really need it, I can't discipline myself. I just need to, like, stop cold turkey, like, out. And so um, I do the same with Instagram. I've been doing the same with Instagram lately where I'm like, I don't really like this. Right. This isn't nice to me. And it's not being, it's not making me better. And I'm not present. Yeah. You know? And so that's what I've noticed being on that stuff less is I'm just 
really present for whatever's happening in front of me and like who the people that I'm with in front of me. Yeah. I'm available to them. But when I'm on those apps, I'm like, it just lives in my brain and I'm like, not really, I'm like worried about this thing that happened on Twitter while I'm talking to you or I'm like concerned about what someone's thinking about whatever on Instagram. And I'm like, but I'm not, I just don't need all the background noise. Yeah. Why? Like, what did it, it really do for it, me, you know? Well, I don't know. I mean, it is a, it's such a, I want to do like a whole month on social media with this podcast because I, it is fascinating because there's a, there's some people that would say, not your brand, but some people would say like, oh no, you have to have Instagram if you have a brand or you have yeah. to have Instagram if you want X, Y, Z, or if you don't have Instagram, it's weird. Or if you don't, and I think it, um, if you are able to discipline yourself, like I'm yeah. very good at disciplining myself, probably too much, but so I can be like, okay, no, I'm only going to spend this many hours, whatever. Yeah. But I think, especially, I haven't watched it yet, but that social dilemma. Social dilemma. Seen it? Yeah, it's and great. So, yeah, people keep saying how great. And, and I think of, especially young girls, like how detrimental this must be to them. Mm-hmm. There's no way it can't be. I mean, and what's worse is TikTok. when you're grown adults, yeah. you're. It's what's worse. What's worse is TikTok. TikTok's even worse. Oh, I'm worse. sure. Oh, I don't know if you it's saw. Just like, I don't know if you saw Cuties. You watched the No, movie. I didn't watch it. You should watch it. I don't know. Isn't it like about pedophilia and stuff like that? I can't take that. It's stuff. not. Yeah. Okay. It's not about pedophilia. Okay. It's basically about this this dance group in France and the girl who grows up who ends up joining the dance group. She's Muslim. Yeah. But it is over. It is about how children are over sexualized. Yeah. But it's not, I think because you're boys, you can watch it, but basically it's just, it goes back to once again, like, what are we looking at all day? And people are freaking out about this film. And this one journalist said, this is what I said to everyone about TikTok two years ago. I'll send you the article. TikTok is really problematic in that regard. Yeah, for sure. I have a friend started, I'm like, you're dancing to like WAP right now? Like what? Like you're 10, we're at dinner. It's like prepubescent girls like that take the length of your phone and are just constantly bouncing. No, I know. All day long. And you're like, what am I supposed to be looking at right now? Come on. And then Instagram Reels started, and so now you, the Explore page is just that. It's no, just even like online, it's girls. Like, I'm like, I yeah. don't even look at this. I'm, I'm like, like, why are yeah. you sending me this? Exactly. It's, it's so wild. dark and weird. I can't take it. Because with selfies, like with Instagram, selfies were limited to like the real estate was a square, so it really was just like your face, like right. your selfies. But now with TikTok, it being the length of the screen, and so it's like full body. That's actually a really good point. It's like so you're you having to... you full body shot of whatever... Yeah, like you there. have to... You do your full body. And I'm like, this isn't a selfie anymore. It's like, look at my... Bo- it's look not just look body. at my face. Now it's like, look at my body moving like this. And I'm just like... I it's, I, it's I don't know. Bizarre. It's weird. I can't take it. I... Oh my, and my son's on it all day. He's 11. See, are your kids on TikTok? Yeah. I feel like you have to have your kids or they're like not cool if you don't have on social media. Yeah, right? they're so on pressure? TikTok. And, but I tell them, I kind of told, I curtailed it because I was just like, guys, this is kind of weird. And they're like, really? Why? Because they, they're so young, they don't even understand. But I'm like, I don't want them growing up thinking that every girl is built that way. Like the most popular girls are built this way because they have the most likes because they keep conflating these social like scores with top, importance. Like exactly. Yeah. So they're like, okay, so this is like what the best looking girl looks like, right? And I'm like, 
this is there's like one girl in your school who looks like that and she's that's you know she's popular on tiktok and all the girls on tiktok look like that because they're the one girl that looks like that in all their communities but i'm like women normal average everyday women there's a complete range and spectrum of beauty and what that looks like here also a lot of people too you're using filters so then it's not even what it looks like yeah no, yeah. that's, that's a whole other topic. It's yeah. like, no one looks like that. I don't understand. Like, it's, I thought we minds. dealt with a lot of this stuff when, you know, I grew up in the 80s and the 90s, and it was like, you know, the Kate Moss era and, like, wafy models and Cosmo. I was like, I thought we like, were, like... You a, were allowed to be, like, anorexic, and now it's, like, yeah. everything's, like, surgery or this. And then even people that I've noticed that have gotten so much plastic surgery... They still over facetune their pictures, like to so where it's, it's like a drawing. Yeah, so so literally, like no one is happy. Yeah, with what they look like, it's really a mind fuck. I have so many thoughts on it, but I, I I just like to ask people that question because I think Instagram can become this thing where like, is this enjoyable? Like, what are you looking at? Are you just trying to talk to your friends or like this person or like that? And it it just becomes this like yeah. like a video game almost. Yeah. That like makes you kind of crazy. Yeah. <laughs> well, it did. It worked. It says in the movie, we're ten years into this experiment, and it made tonight. us. It made us all crazy. Oh, it's great. And everyone in the film says they they don't have their they don't allow no. their kids on. The there was. I'm assuming that it started from there was an article maybe two years ago where all the tech founders and developers they got together and they wrote this kind of like um, it was like an open like letter. Uh-huh. almost saying this is the deal that we built all this stuff we're the ones who designed and devised it all but we don't let any of our kids use it and yeah. here's why and so they explain like how what how invasive and like corrupting it all is and so then the documentaries that plus more they like go into deeper dives with like how it's polarized us as a nation politically like Essentially, it seems they're like, we didn't even intend to do this, but it's like other countries now are inciting civil war amongst us, amongst not just our country, but all the countries that are having a lot of these issues right now with polarized political um, fields is that they've all been targeted. And so this is what civil war looks like in 2020. It's not like soldiers on the front lines like red you know confederacy and like we're in a field shooting guns and stuff it's like another country coming in and digitally manipulating us to fight each other and like to be estranged from each other all the time and so like we have a completely destabilized society because of it and politically so many people i think instagram has it's it started like fights within my friends like just about political like people feel yeah so like shouted out constantly about yeah. someone's opinion about this and th- I mean that's what it's become yeah and right that's now. not you can't yeah, I have my last you can't I'm even saying. blame people for being that way right no, now no, no, no. because we're it's no match it's what it is well we're no match for what the technology is doing you have Google YouTube well, Google which is YouTube Instagram these are people there's 
hundreds of millions of dollars being poured into research on how to manipulate you and how to f- define what your algorithm is and to feed you exactly what you want and right. to like tweak your brain. No, like that's what these people, the world's smartest people are sitting there constantly trying to figure out a way to manipulate and control you like through their algorithms, right? And so how could you possibly not going not like it. fall for that it makes me want to turn off you know my microphone on my phone my cousin has that he only turns it on but i use it's not even voice. like that i mean yes that but it's also like what's happening in your feed searching. is yeah and what you're searching and the search results that come to you. you you search for something i search for something we're gonna get different results i search for something on youtube you search for something on youtube we're gonna get different results and it's all curated in a specific way for you it's like you cannot fight that like the echo chambers like we didn't build our echo chamber like those were constructed meticulously for us like we can't fight it like this is there's only so much we can do we're just asked to try to survive in this day and age like just like make enough money to live every day and like how can we even like try to dismantle these like crazy digital realms that we live in like these these realities we live in like we didn't build them you know so we can't it's like i have so much like i i honestly feel for a lot of the people who like have a lot of like QAnon or you know are like obsessed with conspiracy stuff because i'm like it's not even honestly your fault like the uh, this is what you know i wrote an essay about this once but it's like when we were growing up this idea of war of the worlds of like robots coming down and like taking us over. It was like these steel men, you know, out of UFOs. And like, that's how we were going to get killed by robots. Like that's not what it actually ended up being. It's algorithms. Right. Right. It's like machine learning. It's AI. It's like these, these social platforms that are coming in and like slowly manipulating us to turn against each other. Like that's how the robots defeat us. And we cannot, we're not equipped. The internet goes on forever. Like we have to sleep eight hours a day. Like we can't keep up with this. That's why we're exhausted all the time because we're like trying to keep up with the internet. The internet is literally an endless scroll. The internet will always win. The internet will always win. There's no way we can fight against any of this stuff. Like there's no way. And so it's like, how can someone think like that? How can someone have these beliefs or like, can't they see that's crazy? I'm like, not really because they're just trying to raise their kids or trying to like do their job every day and then they come home and they're zoned out and they're watching a crazy YouTube video and they're like, I guess that makes sense. Like the earth is flat. Yeah, that kind of makes sense. And it's like, how can they not see through that? It's like, dude, they're human beings. Yeah. Like we're fucking exhausted and like we only have so much bandwidth to handle our reality every day. And it's like, that's the entertainment that we get fed. What do you think is going to happen? Yeah, you know, people like are impressionable. We're impressionable, and like some are more yeah. impressionable than others. I am not that impressionable. I just want that to be said. But you're impressive. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode. Um, shouts out to Bobby Hundreds for joining me. We are so thrilled to have you, Bobby. Where can our listeners find you? Uh, I'm Bobby Hundreds across all social platforms. <laughs> I just like went off. TikTok. I am actually oh. on TikTok. Yeah, that's wow. See, oh, it's I such a. I painted myself right into that corner. <laughs> if you choose to follow me on social media, which even myself, I don't know if I pref- try to participate in these days. I'm Bobby Hundreds. I'm the hundreds.com is our website. I blog through there. Um, I. Um, I have a book out. It's called This Is Not a T-Shirt. That's the best way to get to know me. 
And my phone number that you can text is on all of my socials in my link tree. So you can um, text me. That's probably between texting and the book. That's the best way to get to know me. And I'd love to get to know you too. Thank you for tuning in to Ben Better. How about you? To learn more, please visit benbetterhbu.com and check out our Instagram, bbhbu. Slide into our DMs with your questions and comments. Also, be sure to subscribe for your weekly prescription. This pharmacy is open 24-7.